midst of a series of lessons entitled The Great Cost of Discipleship. Six times throughout his teaching ministry, Jesus made a statement something like this. If you want to be my disciple, then... If then, something is expected of us as Christ followers. Now, three Sundays ago, we took a closer look at the first of these discipleship requirements, abiding from John 8, verses 31 and 32. Two Sundays ago, we zeroed in on the second of these discipleship requirements, producing in John 15 and verse 8. Last Sunday, we focused on the third of these discipleship requirements, loving from John 13, verses 34 and 35. And this morning, we are going to study the fourth of these discipleship requirements, worshiping, here in Luke 14, verses 25 and 26. Worshiping, it's the fourth test of the authentic, genuine Christ follower. And it's centered around, I think, my first love, Jesus. Does Jesus have the best and the first of my devotion and worship? Let's begin by looking at the scripture together. Follow along with me, if you would, in your Bible as I read today's text. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 and 26. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now when was the last time you said something that you really didn't mean? Well, as I began to consider what Jesus said here in verse 26, I noticed that many of the commentators that I researched began by saying, Jesus didn't really mean to say that. The initial response to Jesus' words here by those who take him seriously is to try to explain that he didn't say what he said. Isn't that a bit unusual? If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Certainly, Jesus could not have meant to say that. Or maybe the translators got goofed up and they got it wrong or something. Well, before we jump to any conclusions, let's dig into today's text and let's see if we can sort this out a bit. First of all, I want to go back to verse 25. Look at it again with me. It says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said. Large crowds. Historians tell us that this is recorded during Jesus' second year of ministry, which is often referred to as the year of popularity. Multitudes were drawn to Jesus because of his teaching and miracles. In fact, it's estimated that these large crowds swelled into the twenty to 30,000 range. Now, we might be tempted to cheer. Whoa, way to go, Jesus! After all, isn't it all about numbers? But not Jesus. Jesus is more interested in having committed disciples than he is in drawing a crowd of believers. I mean, you check it out. Nearly every time that the crowds swelled like this, Jesus 
kind of weeded them out by getting in their faces. In fact, today's text says, turning to them, he said. And he hits them with a rather difficult teaching, and such is the case in today's text. Jesus confronts the large crowds, and he confronts us with these words in verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciples. Before we too quickly respond, well, Jesus didn't really mean to say that. Before we deconstruct what Jesus said here and reconstruct it to fit a more comfortable line of thought, Let's do the unthinkable first. Let's just take him at his word and let's see how that fits when it comes to our relationship with him. Before we fully define this four-letter word, hate, before we look at this same verse in other translations, before we turn to the parallel passage in Matthew, uh, let's allow God's word to speak through Luke as is. How can we possibly accept what Jesus says here? How? What we have to do is take Jesus at his word even when it seems to contradict all logical, rational perspectives about him and what it means to follow him. I believe that Jesus said what he said here because we need to hear it. The Holy Spirit inspired Luke to record it this way because it, in fact, describes the great cost of discipleship like nothing else can. Jesus didn't make a mistake here. He didn't choose the wrong word. He didn't say something he didn't mean to say. He said hate, and he meant hate in the way he meant for us to understand hate in the context of our text today. Now, adding to the shock of this word hate is that Jesus actually connects this terrible word toward those he knew we would not want him to direct it toward. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. I mean, of all things, Jesus, why couldn't you aim that loaded word at someone or something other than family and self? I mean, I can think, you too, of plenty of people that it would be easy for me to hate, <laughs> or easily dislike at least, but not those who are the nearest and the dearest to me. We need some help here, don't we? If we're going to take Jesus at his word, if we're going to, to really understand what he's saying here, then we're going to have to dig in a little deeper, aren't we? Well, Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words explains that this Greek word, meseo, which we translate hate, is sometimes used to show relative preference for one thing over another. In other words, it's a word of comparison or contrast. And this must be true here in Luke 14, verse 26. Jesus' point, his bottom line here is this. Our love for him should be so supreme that when it's compared to our love for father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, or even our own lives, our love for them would pale in contrast. Our love for Jesus must be so much greater, so much deeper, so much more intense that our love for family and self would in fact seem like hate 
in comparison. Now this definition of hate is reinforced by the way other Bible versions choose to translate or paraphrase Luke chapter 14 verse 26. For instance, contemporary English version says, You cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father and mother, your wife and children and your brothers and sisters. You cannot come with me unless you love me more than you love your own life. Or the Good News Translation. Those who come to me cannot be my disciples unless they love me more than they love father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and themselves as well. The Living Bible. Anyone who wants to be my follower must love me far more than he does his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers or sisters. Yes, more than his own life. Otherwise, he cannot be my disciple. The message. Anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own life, can't be my disciple. New Living Translation. If any person comes to me and does not have much more love for me than for father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his or her own life, he or she cannot be my disciple. Then there's the parallel version in uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 37. In fact, I'd like for us to read this one out loud together. Would you read this with me? Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Hmm. Simply put, Jesus following him requires a price. Being a disciple comes with a cost. When we choose to answer Jesus' call to discipleship, it comes at the expense of everyone and everything else in our lives. And so in its proper context, it's clear to see that Jesus uses this Greek word meseo, hate, as a word of contrast or comparison. Literally, if we are going to choose to follow Jesus Christ, we will love him so deeply and intensely that our love for everyone and everything else, including ourselves, will actually look like hate in contrast. Now take a moment and turn back with me a few chapters, would you, in your Bibles? To Luke chapter 9, would you turn there with me? Very simple, just back a few chapters and I want to focus on a few verses here that we need to compare to what we're saying here today. Luke chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 57 through 62. I love to hear the turning of pages. Because <laughs> I want to know you're in the Word with me. Luke chapter 9. Pick it up with verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. 
And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Difficult verses. Yeah. But did you catch the gist of them? In essence, Jesus is saying, If you want to follow me, I must have first place before, above, and beyond anyone or anything else in your life. You must love me in such a way that no one else or nothing else comes between you and me. That's why I entitled this fourth test of discipleship, Worshiping. Because worship, you see, is closely tied to the idea of worth. In fact, the word worship comes to us from the combination of worth-ship. And Jesus alone is worthy of our adoration and praise. He is by far to receive the first and the very best of our devotion and love. And that's worship. I feel like there's so much more that we could and should say here. This is such a foundational principle of discipleship. This is at the very core of what being a Christ follower is all about. I just pray that you'll spend some time this week reviewing these scriptures and listening to what the Holy Spirit says through God's Word to your heart and to your life. That's a look at the scripture. Now, what lessons can we learn from our study together today. Even though we, I think, have barely scratched the surface of what Jesus taught here in Luke 14, 25, and 26, I believe that there are some very important take-home applications for us today. Specifically, there are three key words that I think sum up worshiping and this fourth test of a true, genuine disciple. The first word that I would choose would be the word pursuance. Pursuance. At the very beginning of Luke 14, verse 26, Jesus says, If anyone comes to me. Now that may seem like a passing comment, only a prelude to the rest of the verse, but I don't want us to overlook it. Discipleship, you see, actually begins with Jesus pursuing us. Over and over again, the four Gospels record Jesus' words. Come, follow me. But we must respond to Jesus' pursuit of us by choosing to pursue Him in return. In Revelation 3 and verse 20, we read Jesus' words, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Jesus knocks. And Jesus calls out your name. Mark, come. Dave, come. Tom, come. Mike, come. Lila, come. Norma, come. And on and on it goes. He knocks and he calls each and every one of us by name to follow him. But we must open the door. We must respond. We must take the initiative to allow Jesus to come into our hearts and lives. And I think 
by the way, that that implies much, much more than just a one-time response where we pray a prayer and say, okay, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that this response is a relentless pursuit of Jesus each and every moment of each and every day. It's a persistent, unyielding quest for God. It is a passionate running after the Lord with every ounce of energy that we can possibly imagine, and we go for it all the time, every day, every moment that we live. That's what David cried out. Psalm 63 and verse 1, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. It's what Jesus himself described in the Beatitudes when he said in Matthew 5 and verse 6, Blessed and fortunate are those who are starving for God, who are dying of thirst for Him and Him alone. Worshiping. It's all about pursuance. Hungering and thirsting for more. Longing to go deeper. Never, ever, ever forsaking my first love. If anyone comes to me, Jesus says in today's text, we have got to want Him. We have got to pursue Him. We've got to go after Him. That's what being a disciple means. Pursuance. The second key word is the word allegiance. Allegiance. Whatever else Jesus may have meant by his call in verse 26 to hate father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even our own lives, to love him more than family and self, certainly he is calling us to uncompromising loyalty. This fourth test of whether or not we are a genuine, authentic disciple is all about our allegiance. Worshiping takes us back to the very first of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. That's where it all starts, folks. God must be first, before, above, and beyond anyone or anything else. Nothing and no one may come before Jesus in our lives. Now in very practical terms, what Jesus is teaching us here is this. If we are ever put in a position where we have to, and then just think this through with me, this is a tough one. If we're ever put in a position where we have to choose between Jesus and a family member. A true disciple always, without fail, chooses Jesus. If ever we come to a situation in life where we have to choose between Jesus and and self, a genuine Christ follower always chooses Jesus. You shall have no other gods before me. That includes parents, spouse, kids, siblings, or any other person. And that includes self. Again, no one and nothing can stand in the way of our devotion to Christ. And by the way, thousands of our Christian brothers and sisters are facing that very choice this very day in countries around the world where Christians are being persecuted and martyred. And mark my word, in these end times, it is soon coming to the United States. Some of us may live to see that day where we have to make such a choice. 
But until that day comes, let me go straight to the bottom line so we can apply this to our lives right now today. Here's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Where does my allegiance lie today? Who or what is really first in my life this morning? To whom am I devoted above all others? What is the number one priority in my life? I mean, what is really? (laughs) No, I mean, really (laughs) most important to me. You know how to discover that, don't you? Two questions. First of all, how do I spend my time? How do I spend my time? You see, what's most important to us gets the first and the best of our time. Don't kid yourself. So where is God in your personal schedule? If you show me how you spend your time, if I could look at your calendar, I could easily tell you where your allegiance lies. Second question is how do I spend my money? How do I spend my money? Because you understand that what's most important to us gets the first and the best of our money. I mean, that doesn't lie. And so I ask, where is God in your personal finances? If you show me how you spend your money, just let me look at your bank account, let me look at your credit card statement, I could easily tell you where your allegiance lies. So I challenge you to take careful inventory of how you spend your time and how you spend your money because they do not lie. Allegiance. The third key word I want us to look at today is the word obedience. Obedience. In fact, Let's read uh, Jesus' words in John 14, verses 23 and 24. Let's read them out loud together. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. (laughs) Does it get any clearer than that? And what is it to love Jesus? Isn't it to worship Him? Jesus alone is worthy of our worship, our love. And that always translates into obedience. Again, in Jesus' own words, obey my teaching. Worship is all about obedience. As the Israelites were conquering and settling the promised land, Joshua charged them in Joshua 22 and verse 5 to love the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways and to keep His commandments and to cling to Him and to worship Him with all your heart and with all your soul. And in the very next chapter, as he gave his farewell address just prior to his death, Joshua told the people, be very firm then to keep and do all that is written in the book so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. Stay on course. And that means obedience. Three take-home lessons then from Luke 14, verses 25 and 26. Three key words to help us sum up what it means to worship. Jesus' fourth test of a true and genuine Christ follower. It all begins with pursuance. And I would ask, what are you running after today? What are you going after? Are you running after Jesus? Are you pursuing Him with everything you've got? Does He consume every moment of your thoughts and your day? 
second allegiance. Where does your loyalty lie? All you got to do is take a look at your time and your money, and you'll know the truth. And then thirdly, obedience. It ultimately comes down to if you love Jesus, you're going to do what He has told you to do. So let me ask you, how do you measure up today? I hope you're not going to do like what some of the people did in Jesus' crowd. They said, if that's what he's teaching, forget it. I can't possibly do that. And they turned around and they walked away. But I hope that you'll embrace what we've talked about today. As hard as it is, as difficult as this whole principle is, I pray that you will seriously consider where you are in your walk with Jesus today. The great cost of discipleship. This morning we've taken a closer look at Luke 14, 25 and 26 and this fourth of six tests that Jesus gave for us to understand the cost of following Him. If we desire to be authentic, genuine disciples of Jesus, there's a price to be paid. Discipleship requires something of us and worshiping is the fourth of these requirements. In Jesus' own words in verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. If we're going to choose to follow Jesus Christ, we will love him so deeply and so intensely that our love for everyone and everything else, including ourselves, will look like hate in contrast. Worshiping. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, this has been a tough one today. I can just imagine when you turned to the crowds and you said these words the first time that people were just shocked. And maybe that's happened to some of us today. We... We've read this now and we've studied it and we're going, wow, I don't know if I can do that. And yet the reality is this is what a disciple is. This is who we are if we choose to follow you. It comes at a great cost. And when all is said and done, that cost is more than worth it. Help us to be willing to pay the price. May each of us look into our own hearts and our own lives today and ask ourselves some serious questions about what we're pursuing and where our allegiance lies. And are we really being obedient to what you've taught us? Holy Spirit, now take this word of the Lord for the people of God and apply it to our lives today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.